the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In our Gospel reading from St. Luke in chapter 10, we find the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's a parable that most of us are probably pretty familiar with. And what we have is a lawyer comes to Jesus. And I want to make it very clear what this lawyer is. This is not a civil or a criminal attorney, not that type of legal lawyer. When it says a lawyer approached Jesus, this was a man who was very learned in the law of Moses. So when there was a question about what does the law mean or what does the law tell us to do, he would go to this lawyer. So a lawyer learned in the law of Moses comes to Jesus with one of the most important questions that any one of us could ever ask. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus turns it back to him knowing who he is. He says, what do you read in the law of this? What does the law of Moses tell you in order to inherit eternal life? And he answers with the very summary of the law that Jesus himself would give at another point in the Gospels. The lawyer answers Jesus and says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind, and shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus, applauding that answer, so to speak, says, Do this and you'll live. But the lawyer's not done. The scriptures tell us that wanting to justify himself, he asked further, he said, but master, who is my neighbor? In other words, who do I love and who should I not love? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus does not answer that question with the truth that everyone is your neighbor. He doesn't just say those words. Instead, he gives a parable of the good Samaritan to show not only that it's true that we should love everyone as our neighbor, but to show how we love everyone as our neighbor. And so the parable Jesus gives is this. He says, a man goes down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And as he's going down to Jericho, he's met with thieves. The thieves rob him of his clothing. They beat him, they wound him, and they leave him half dead on the road, having taken everything that he had. We're told that a priest at one point, a holy man of the Hebrew faith, walks down this road and sees the man. He crosses to the opposite side of the road and passes him by, not even caring about the wounded man or doing anything for him. Then we're told a Levite comes by. And it's important to know who the Levites were. The Levites were those through whom the priesthood of the Old Testament came. And a Levite walks by and does the same thing as the priest. He crosses to the other side of the road, ignoring the one who is wounded, left with nothing, and left half dead. But then he says a Samaritan comes by. Very important to understand who a Samaritan is. A Samaritan was from those lower regions, and I say it that way because the Jews treated the Samaritans like second-class citizens, barely even human in the eyes of the Hebrews. A Samaritan walks by the one who came down from Jerusalem. But this Samaritan has compassion on the man. And he binds up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. He binds him up, he puts him on his animal, and he takes him to a place where that healing could continue. He takes him to an inn. 
And he goes up to the innkeeper and he gives the innkeeper his own money. And he says, spend all of this if you need to, that this man be restored to health. And when I return, if you spend anything over this, I'll pay you back fully. And that is the story we have. And Jesus looks at the lawyer and he says, now who loved his neighbor? Which of the three loved his neighbor? The priest, Levi, or the Samaritan? And the lawyer wisely answers the one who showed mercy to the man. And Jesus says, now go and do likewise. Answering the question. What was the question? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Be about your life in such the way that you don't turn the blind eye to the wounded, to the disenfranchised, to the half dead. Love your neighbor in that way. Show mercy. Show the compassion of God. And you'll have eternal life. And so we must do, dear family, as those filled with the living Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. Now the church fathers, they have many beautiful interpretations of this incredible parable. And so many of them from different angles, different views. It's almost as if it's all these different interpretations are like a diamond with all the different sides. Through which you can see such beautiful truths that our Lord expressed through this parable. But the one that I want to focus on is the interpretation of St. Ambrose for us today. And St. Ambrose interpreted this parable like this. He said in the parable, Jerusalem, the kingdom up in the upper lands, is the eternal heavenly kingdom of God. Jericho is the world post-fall. That's why it says the man came down from Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho. You have the image of a fallenness that occurs. And who are the thieves in the parable? St. Ambrose says the thieves are Satan, the demonic, and our own flesh that have robbed us of our true self. They've robbed us of our clothing because in the beginning with God, we were clothed with the glory of God. And by Satan's temptations and the weakness of the flesh of Adam and Eve, they fell and were robbed of their glory. This life post-fall has wounded us. This life has left us half dead. It's the image that we're being given of the post-fall reality, almost the opposite of what it was like in the garden. In the garden, there was no lack of health. In the garden, there was no death. In the garden, man was filled completely with the life of God, his creator. But now after the fall, it's as if we've been robbed of all of those things St. Ambrose said. And who's the good Samaritan that comes? It is our Lord. It is our Lord Jesus Christ who became a lesser. That's what the Samaritans were considered by the Hebrews. Our Lord came as a lesser on a mission, St. Ambrose says. And what is that mission? To bind up the brokenhearted by his wounds to heal the wounds of all. For those who were left half dead to fill them with his life out of the compassion and the mercy of God. And thus Jesus is teaching that all who want to enter into eternal life, who will be found in Him, joined to Him, all who desire this will be about the same mission as our Lord Jesus Christ. Which is why St. Paul 
in 2 Corinthians says these words. Now all things are of God, who was reconciling us to himself through Jesus Christ. The ministry of Christ reconciling the fallen to God. He continues, and has given us his church, the ministry of reconciliation. No different ministry. I was reminded when I looked at this and I read St. Ambrose, I was reminded of the words of Metropolitan John of Albania that I've shared a number of times and I probably will again. Because it's good for me to remind myself of as well as you. Metropolitan John of Albania, when speaking of the compassionate and merciful heart of Christ that came on mission to restore humanity, he said this. He said, the church of God does not have a mission. The God of mission has a church. You get the difference. The church of God doesn't have a mission. It's not just about a commandment given by God. The God of mission, this is who He is. This is His nature. The God of mission has a church that will be about the same because they're joined to Him and ever becoming like Him. You know, a number of months ago, during one of uh, my prayer times, you know, I've asked us all to be praying the Orthodox prayers for the mission of the church. And I gave you that card that has three prayers on it you can choose from any time. And I was praying one of those prayers in my prayer time. And I've told you before, that all of us fall into this. That we pray prayers so many times, and a lot of times we'll go brainless. Where our mouths are working, but our hearts and minds are not connecting with these beautiful prayers that are extremely wonderful truths. That if we connect ourselves to God in the prayers of these truths, it alters us, it changes us. It's like C.S. Lewis said. I don't pray to change God. I pray because it changes me. And I was praying one of these prayers, and the real meaning of the prayer dawned on me, I think, for the first time. And I've prayed it so many times. Listen to these words. It's the prayer for missions. O Lord Jesus Christ, Thou good shepherd of the sheep, who didst come into the world to seek and save that which was lost, we beseech thee to be present in thy power with the missions of thy church in this our land. Show forth thy compassion to the helpless, enlighten the ignorant, succor those in peril, and bring home the wanderers in safety to thy fold. And as I prayed this, I noticed very quickly for the first time that there are three distinct parts that come together in this prayer. We start off with the part of the prayer that turns our face to acknowledge something about who God really is. Who is this God? And we pray the prayer that says, you're the good shepherd of the sheep. Who are you? You're the one that came to seek and save that which was lost. That's who you are. That's your nature. Second part of the prayer, we ask for his power to become the same and to do the same. Because the next words we utter are, we beseech thee to be present in thy power with the missions of thy church in this our land. And then the final part, we ask that by that power and from that compassionate heart that we have taken on, let your will be done in these ways. Show forth thy compassion to the helpless. Enlighten the ignorant. Succor those in peril and bring home the wanderers in safety to thy fold. Sometimes when we pray that, 
let's be honest. We treat it like couch potato Christians flipping channels. What do I mean by that? I mean this. When we say show forth thy compassion to the helpless, God, you do this. Enlighten the ignorant, Lord, you do this. Succor those in peril. Bring home the wanderers. Lord, you do all these things. That's not the intent of the prayer. You are the God who comes to seek and save the lost. Grant us your power and do all of these things that we're asking in and through your church. Because that is your desire. <coughs> that you, the living Christ, live and reveal yourself. That it is you that shows compassion to the helpless through this flesh and blood. This flesh and blood. That you enlighten the ignorant. That means those who walk in darkness not having encountered the truth may encounter the truth through our flesh and blood and have the experience of Him and our minds changed. Succor those in peril. Bring comfort. Bring escape to those who are tormented in this life right now. How? By our cooperation with you. Having been filled with power and taken on your heart. And bring home the wanderers and say to thy fold, we go after the lost. We go after the lost who have run away from you. We go after the lost who have never encountered you, filled with the grace and power of God. That is what Jesus is teaching in the parable of the Good Samaritan. We don't live our lives with either blinders on to not see those living half dead. I do not mean just physical. Half dead in spirit. Half dead in emotion. Half dead in person. We live with such blinders on day to day if we truly examine our lives. And our Lord Jesus Christ today is calling us to begin to remove those blinders and open ourselves up to receive who He really is and His heart. And his heart and his nature and his compassion and love and mercy never turns a blind eye to those half dead. I pray and I ask you to pray as you do those prayers I've asked us all to do. That we take on the message of our Lord Jesus Christ as St. Ambrose has shared with us. With his interpretation of this. And that through those prayers we become like him taking on his heart so that when we are here in church with those that are still being mended and healed or outside of the ark of salvation amongst those who so desperately need to be healed and are not in union with God. I pray that we become so compassionate with the compassion of Christ and filled with his grace and power that not only do we not turn a blind eye, but we allow our Lord to lead us to those very people and through interaction with us, they get interaction. This is the calling upon the church. How may we receive eternal life to remain in him, to grow in his likeness all of our days. And this is part of being in his likeness as the church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.